You have three voicemails. What is green tea? You know, why do people use green tea? To stay awake. <laughs> it actually comes from Chinese word. You know, lu cha biao. You remember that patient, seventeen, right? Who flew from? <laughs> why you have to say seventeen in very slow and enticing kind of <laughs> tone? Hello there. Welcome to the show where we have the convos about Vietnam, you know. Hello there. Welcome to Convo Comrades, a conversation with the community about Vietnam. In this show, you'll listen to our humble perspectives and opinions on all trends, topics, anything Vietnam. So, what are we talking about today, Mr. Long K? I'm excited. I'm excited for today's show. All right. Um. <laughs> oh my God! This is a very weak start. <laughs> Come on, come on! Let's power through this. Come on, we need the energy. I'm excited. So, what happens is today's segment, when it's just the two of us talking, we call it topic twos. Is it topic twos? Topical two. Topical two. All right. And what happens is the two of us are just going to pick a few topics and then discuss about those topics and trends. And Long is very keen to be hyper prepared about everything, and I think that um. On the other side of the spectrum, essentially, I don't want to prepare for anything. So he asked me, right? Do you want to discuss any topics for today in preparation for the podcast? And I was like, no. I was like, do you at least want to know the topics? I was like, no. You can collect the topics. You can discuss whatever topics you want, and then I'll just jump in. I'll try to react to it. So I'm not entirely sure what topics we're talking about today. To be honest, I think you mentioned something about COVID or something, but I'll let you. I'll let you introduce the topics. All right, guys. Be prepared. I'm so excited for today's topics. Topics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive right in. All right. COVID. That's right. I think that's a hot topic, and it's dying to be talked about. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's just sad. Dying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. sorry, sorry, that was bad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad now. <laughs> I feel terrible. So, uh, COVID and COVID responses and results, in particular, between Vietnam and the UK, because we live in the UK, right? Mm -hmm. Let Let's start with with a little poll. Whoa, a poll! Can you tell poll, me? Poll one person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Uh, a quiz. Sorry, wrong word. Quiz, quiz, <laughs> and also to listeners too. You know, let's have a guess here. How many COVID cases and how many deaths are there in Vietnam and in the UK? So cases and death. Can I give a range? No, just give a number. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in Vietnam first, is it, or in the UK and Vietnam? Yeah, let's go Vietnam first. All right, Vietnam first. How many deaths and case? Bloody hell! How many deaths? I've actually, I don't know. I'm tempted to say zero because I've actually never come across any piece of news or articles that mentions. COVID deaths in Vietnam. Uh, I'm just going to go for five. All right, just be, to be on the realistic, safe side. Uh -huh. And in terms of cases, I'm probably thinking of ten thousand in a population of ninety to hundred million. Ten thousand. Okay. And the UK? In the UK, bloody hell! UK deaths probably more than a hundred k, and cases is three million, four million. So it does 
show that you do live in the UK because your UK figures <laughs> are way closer. It's actually depressing, actually, uh, for those who don't live in the UK. You know, when you play the BBC, you know, every single day there's a segment that tells you and gives you an update on UK deaths. And the death toll is like today there are a thousand deaths, today there are an additional 800 deaths, just goes up and up and up and up. It's actually insane in the UK. But I'm actually uh, getting used to it now. So, oh, okay, there's 50,000 cases today. Which is oh, scary. Okay. That's All the thing, right. right? Whenever something is new, right, then you react to it but then when it comes repeatedly you're sort of desensitized to it yeah and you don't feel as strongly as before which is actually scary but if you think about it like just people dying in the country thousands and thousands of people dying every single day it's actually crazy i know all right time for answers vietnam cases you said ten thousand. yeah it's actually 1500 bloody hell that's insane as of uh january 2021 all right that is crazy okay and deaths is 35 deaths. So you were pretty close there. Hey, 35 deaths? Yeah. Okay. As of January. I need to read up on the news in Vietnam a bit more, don't I? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt about that. What about UK figures? UK, you were pretty close. 110,000 deaths. Mm -hmm. And uh, confirmed cases, 4 million versus your figure of 3 million. So. Bloody hell. Look at me. All right. UK boy. All right, so from looking at that, and I think it's interesting to compare and contrast the two nations' strategy in curbing COVID, yep. right? So you have a lot of exposure to UK news and maybe a little bit of Vietnamese news. Yeah. Why do you think Vietnam is so effective in curbing that, making it so low? Why do I think Vietnam is so effective? Yeah. So when this whole pandemic broke out back in March, or at least it surfaced the news back in February and March. I was following the response strategy from the West and the East. And I think there's quite a divide in, you know, the broad strategies that were adopted by the governments of both sides. I think probably three, three main factors that contributed to Vietnam's success, really. I think number one is... The political... Oh, man, we're going back to politics. In episode <laughs> zero, we said that we won't be talking about politics because... You know, we, we don't want to go to prison, <laughs> but we are saying good things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Applause. All right. Yeah, I think the first one is more or less the authoritarian approach and the top-down approach that Eastern countries are adopting. So I'm talking about Vietnam and China, of course, um, is a very authoritarian or top-down-led approach. Um, the second one is in terms of the nationalistic sentiments. Uh, I think the patriotism in the country and it is a very community-driven kind of mentality, which actually you don't get that in the West a lot. Mm. Uh, I think the third one is probably the past experience when it came to responding to SARS. Yeah. Right. So these Eastern countries, they probably had a lot of exposure and a lot of experiences, really, that they've already tried to combat SARS in the past. They know the broad processes and procedures um, and the sort of emergency tactical responses that they need to take in order to deal with a pandemic. You obviously have that photo floating around in terms of like there's some sort of ranking in terms of how prepared certain countries are yeah. in dealing with a pandemic and they were ranking us and europe you know as super high and countries in the east are super low and it turns out it's probably the opposite isn't it so that was pretty interesting but i think those are the three areas as to why they dealt with the pandemic really well 
Definitely. I agree too, actually. I feel response in Vietnam is definitely stricter versus the West, versus the UK, because I know UK better than all of the West. So stricter and faster. I was there in Vietnam back when it all happened, January, February 2020. Were you in Vietnam or were you in the UK? Was I? No, 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 no. So I think we had our wedding civil ceremony in January. Ah. So no, I think I was back there in December. I see. So before all that. Yeah. I was home for Tet. Okay. So uh, I think that's when it actually happened. And I could feel a general sense of fear. Really? You know, just on the streets. And there was a, a trend of hoarding stuff. You know, let's buy all the food, let's buy all the mask, let's buy all the hand gel. The sense of fear was really strong. Mm. And whenever I go to pharmacy, you know, people are like, oh, can I have a hundred masks? So I can feel on the streets, people are, are very afraid. But why? Like, because of the no, no, I, I, COVID. No, no, well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> oh, I think the question is like, how did it come about? You know, was it from mass media and sort of, you know, constant news yeah. saying you got to be careful and stuff like that? Or is it more of, what, what, where's the source of this fear? I think it's just news about a new type of virus mm -hmm. that spread from China, mm -hmm. from Wuhan. So that's interesting. How were the news communicated? How was this new virus communicated? Because obviously you've got the news in the UK as well. Mm. But why is there a difference in reaction between the two countries? Right In the UK, of course, people are scared. But I'm just going to tell an, a, a story of, of Mango, right? She was working in a company and her team was like talking about this virus and stuff. And, you know, you got some of the team members saying, oh, no, it's not going to happen. It's, you know, it's just relax and stuff. And even when it's in the UK, you know, it's just, oh, it's not that big of a deal kind of thing, mm. which is super weird compared to the reaction that you're seeing in Vietnam. Why is there a difference, do you think? I think it's just cultural. You know, people are afraid to die more. <laughs> <laughs> so Asians are scared of dying and Westerners are not. <laughs> and I, I, I get the same too. I remember when I flew back to the UK and work at March time and I asked the team, guys, I think this virus is going to be pretty harmful for our health. Maybe let's work from home. And the first reaction was like, nah, come on, you know. Yeah, you don't have to work from home. You can come to the office. But I was genuinely, uh, I, I am scared. <laughs> you, were, you were shitting bricks. <laughs> so, and I think I got that from the Vietnamese community. And I think the news is the same everywhere, but the reaction is different. And people share things on Facebook, on social media, uh, and that caused a lot of more reaction, viral. You so know? you think it's like a chain reaction then? Yes, on Vietnamese part. So people are more fearful. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. To me, that's it's really odd, isn't it? It's super odd. Because I remember telling my team as well, look, this thing is going to spread. I wasn't actually that scared. Mm. I could anticipate what was going to happen, which which was the fact that we were all going to work from home. Everyone thought I was a bit absurd. Yeah, I was like, no, it's it's true. Like if you just look at the trajectory of the growth of this virus in. Asia at the moment and how it's spreading towards Italy, right? Which was the, the country that was hit the hardest at the early stages in Europe. Mm. Then you would know that it's eventually going to come to UK. You know, things will have to shut down. I just applied some sort of logic to it and I thought it's not absurd, but people are sort of denying it. I don't know why. It was, it was a weird time, to be honest, in the UK. And that coupled with the fast reaction of Vietnamese government, I think that helped 
curbing thing off. Uh, but I'd say the the response was way stricter and way faster than um, the UK. We banned flights. We did all of that way earlier in March. In even January, we banned flights to Wuhan, and then March we banned international flights, etc. And why do you think that's the case? Why do you think that Vietnam could respond so quickly compared to the UK? It's not Vietnam could respond so quickly. Vietnam cannot afford to have that medical burden. I, I know that our medical facilities is not well equipped compared to the Western, uh, you know, hospitals. So we cannot afford to have that many patients on that um, oxygen intensive care unit, mm-hmm. right? And like loads of doctors on one patient. We cannot afford that because we don't have the workforce, the labor, the doctors, and the equipment. Do you think there was a sense of complacency from the UK then, given that they've got yeah. you know all the infrastructure and the assets in order to deal with somewhat of a big pandemic? I think so. That really hmm. interesting. Okay. So the mentality of oh no, it's fine. It's just a flu. Coupled with we've got infrastructure at at least at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? No one thought it could travel that far from here that quickly. Yeah. But whereas in Vietnam. Probably hospitals are like, we got to stop this, guys. We cannot afford to have yeah. 100, 200 patients a day. Mm-hmm. So uh, lots of strict bans on you know travel and all that. And even sealing off uh, streets. So that's pretty strict. Yeah. I mean, I want to raise a political point here. <laughs> I don't know if this, <laughs> that's the end of our podcast or not. But I think, oh man, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but Hey, you're breaking the rules. I know I'm breaking the rules. Um, all right, why why don't you just like shut me down immediately? All right, okay. If you think that okay, okay. <laughs> I think because we're a one party system, mm. a lot of the legitimacy mm. and the sort of you know a, a, another word is like probably the validity or the right to rule of the party is based on how well they respond to these sort of challenges. Right. Mm-hmm. Imagine a scenario where they don't act fast and they don't sort of save the country in time. Right. There's going to be riots. Right. There's going to be discontent. Right. People are going to suffer. Um, and actually, if you look around in the various different political systems, right, normally riots and normally protests and stuff, that stems from just dissatisfaction and unsettling sentiments of the people towards the government. So I think the Vietnamese government handled it really well. I just want to say, remember, quote this, I'm saying that the Vietnamese government handled it very well. Uh, No, but seriously, relative to a lot of other governments out there, I think, um, you know, we did a very good job in doing this. And it surprised me. Honestly speaking, it surprised me. But now come to think of it and come to sort of, you know, in retrospect and when you analyze it, in hindsight, then uh, actually it does make sense, you know, with an authoritarian approach, you know, they could move much faster than, you know, a liberal democracy like in the UK. Um, they could get things done. They don't need people to approve and say yes. They just say it, do it, and it gets done. Exactly. So you didn't stop me halfway. So No, no, I, I agree. No, I, agree. <laughs> I think it's a good, good thing to, to appreciate, you know. Well, if it's a good thing, then let's appreciate it. If it's right? a bad you thing, know. then shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stop, stop. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. <laughs> stop. All right, next. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I need to say something. I need to say something. What? Uh, uh, on, on this <laughs> <laughs> government approach as well. 
No, I was going to say because of our government, Vietnamese government, controlling the media, it's good in this way of stop the spread of fake news. Oh, interesting point. Yeah. Right. Because in the West, you see a lot of fake news. And even there are people in the UK believing that the virus is not real. For example? What do you mean, for example? There are protests everywhere. Freedom protests, you know? Oh, I do recall. I think you had that Uber driver guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Freedom protest. They were gathering uh, on the streets of uh, Oxford Circus, which is very central London, yeah. and saying, we want freedom. Coronavirus is not real. We want freedom. And it's. I think it's just misinformation. It's fake news. It's where these news are coming from, you know? Yeah. Probably social media. But our government did a great job in controlling that, mm-hmm. with controlling the media. So I think that adds with strict curbing of, you know, flights and all of that authoritarian approach make it so effective that we can control it. I think it's worth mentioning that our community played a role too, but good or bad, debatable. You remember that patient 17, right, who flew from... (laughs) Well, you have to say 17 in a very slow and enticing kind (laughs) of tone. I can't remember if it's 17 or 34 now, but anyway. I thought it was 13. No, 17. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was saying all of her, or his, you know, all of patient 17. (laughs) (laughs) All of her. There, there. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh my God. I'd like to clarify here, right? Because... Um, according to my news source, which is the official government uh, Facebook page, yeah, and it has a blue tick next to it, so <laughs> I'm saying it must be reliable. But anyway, on this page, right, all of Patient 17's details uh, were released already in March 2020. Not their names, but details such as, you know, their age, their gender, their occupation, and their home address, including a very detailed history of travel. And so it was a matter of time before someone found out something and eventually found their personal um, social media platforms. And then all of their social media picture profiles were dug up, people were shaming them. I mean, it's effective in endorsing fears, but is it right? Debatable, right? Yeah, I mean, it shocked me as well, because in the UK, you would never, ever release patient details, right? It's just confidential in our company. What tends to happen is if you have an appointment, a doctor's appointment, you just say that, hi team, I have a doctor's appointment this afternoon. I will not be able to work. That's fine. Everyone just accepts it. Everyone respects your privacy and everyone lets you go, right? Now, I don't even know that someone can game the system that they can actually go and play some games, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They can actually do something in their own time instead of actually going to an appointment. But I think the general consensus in the UK is that you know, you really respect someone's privacy and someone's medical conditions and you just don't ask about these things, right? It's very personal. It's very private. Mm. Now, this patient's entire movement, data, 
and information were publicized for the whole country to know about. The government was able to sort of contain the virus based on that information, this, that historical data. But it came at the expense of the patient, right? Because everyone knew about them. And what happened afterwards was, you know, the whole online community went into the social media website, yeah. um, their social media accounts, and said absolutely horrendous things to them. I have to raise my hand, right? I'm not going to be a hypocrite. What I did was, I didn't go on their website. I didn't say bad things. But what I did was, you know, there's that meme of uh, this, I think this patient going to Salt Bay's restaurant. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Salt Bay, if you don't know, is this really famous guy who makes amazing steak, a really expensive steak. And he actually cooks a lot for celebrities. So this person comes from a relatively wealthy background. They came into this restaurant and there's this photo and then there's a photo of david beckham going to that same restaurant and then there's a photo of someone else meeting david beckham and then eventually i took a photo with paul popper who's a famous manchester united player and paul popper met those people in that chain of contact <laughs> and i just posted that whole series essentially it's saying oh shit i've got covid kind of thing it's it's a meme it's kind of it's just for fun but yeah anyway <laughs> how, how did your mom react to that joke that you have COVID? She didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I was just posting photos of random people and football players. And she's like, why, why are you posting all this? Why you get so many likes for that? <laughs> I'm sure if she understands, she would have destroyed you. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, anyway, going back to the patient, I thought that was crazy, right? In terms of in the West, the values are individualism, In Vietnam and a lot of Asian country, it's the community above the individual. That's right. Right? It's the community. I think also what's interesting is I think there's an innate inclination in the population to find a tangible source to blame. Yeah. If that makes sense. I agree. You want someone to blame someone or a group of people that you can see and you can feel And you want it to be tangible, right? If you blame the virus, you know, you can't shore up, what do you call it? Support, yeah. right? Yeah. Within the community. I think so. But when you actually find a living, breathing person with an identity, then everyone shores up and everyone supports one another and everyone is together to fight this virus. Yeah. I think so. There's an element to that. I might not have articulated well enough, but I think that's somewhat of a case. No, I agree. And But all of that at the expense of the other person. So. It's crazy, isn't it? For the greater good, for the community good, no doubt it's good. Whereas for the other person, it's very unfortunate. But I'd say the intention of uh, releasing this medical data was of good intention, right? The, the government definitely wanted people to avoid going to these places because it's been... Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. But it's just the how the, the, the public react on that information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that makes it... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine, like, if I were making all these decisions, I'm like, oh, you know what? Let's release this girl's... <laughs> this person... <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Everyone knows now. My God. It's public. That's the whole point. Let's release this person's medical and private information just so that the entire country can crucify her. I don't think that was the intention no, no. at all. No, no, no. Right? But obviously, when this got out into the press and when it got out into the public domain, all hell broke loose. I agree. Okay, let's move on to a 
positive note of COVID. All right. Wait. What? I don't think we've actually come to a conclusion yet. About what? About the whole situation. Like, if you were someone in Vietnam, do you think that the public reacted correctly in terms of this person has brought this whole damn thing into the country? Mm. Or is it more complicated than that? Let me share my views. All mm-hmm. right. I definitely think those negative comments were a little bit too much. All right. Mm-hmm. In an ideal world, in a perfect world where I see it, these um, data of, her, of their movements will be publicized and people will say, oh, okay, let's avoid this street, that street, and that's it. End of story. And then everyone will say, okay, let's learn from this mistake, guys. Do not travel to these countries. Yep. Report truthfully to the authorities where of your whereabouts, who you've contacted with, etc. Don't hide. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the ideal world mm-hmm. that I could see. Uh, and I think, uh, to be really honest, the hate comments were further triggered because of their wealthy background. I, I feel that. Because of their wealthy and they could do all these things that even trigger That's a good point. more... Yeah more hatred, more more like anger in the public. Uh, I, that's my personal yeah. opinion. It came to a point where, yeah, like I said, like was the hate mostly or solely towards the fact that they didn't disclose the information and they came back to Vietnam and, you know, the virus sort of in some way spread freely into the public or was it because of that, but also of other aspects of their life that were sort of didn't really align with the values of people writing those comments, right? Yeah. And that's the gray area, and we just don't know. But I think, yeah, it's a shame that it happened. I understand both sides, but from a government slash community perspective in Vietnam, you need to do that in order to stop the virus. Um, because we just don't have the infrastructure and the assets and the capabilities to deal with this once it breaks out. It's a shame. What could have gone better, do you think? I think they did the best with that short amount of time. And I think they must have anonymized their names. But with, I mean, someone will find out, you know. Someone from the neighboring, uh, you know, streets will recognize with all the travel data to this country, that country... You know, not a lot of people can do that. Mm. <laughs> you immediately recognize, oh, okay, this is actually my friend's friend, friend, mm-hmm. because I know only they uh, travel like that. Yeah, on on that event, etc. So it's it's just a matter of time before the public has someone who has an analytical skill who can trace all those movements and then put a Facebook post and then share, 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 and then people add some more content. Word spread, huh? And then, yeah, and that's it. And uh, uh, what makes it worse is there's people who may not really understand the story. They just write on the trend of hatred. Yeah. All right, let's just write on this trend. Yeah. I don't know anything. Let's just, let's just do it. So uh, what could have done better on the government part? I, th- I don't think anyth- anything could have done better. It's just how people react. That could be the better part, you know. Let's flip it around. If this were to happen in the UK, what do you think? So let's say, let's say in a world where, all right, the UK actually takes this virus seriously before it comes to UK, okay? Mm. And they were telling people to stay at home, work from home now, and flights are being considered to be banned. 
But then there's this person who comes back with the virus and, you know, they've not really been disclosing all the relevant information to the authorities. And it turns out that, okay, the virus is actually now spreading in the UK. Do you think the UK government would pull the trigger and give out the details and the whereabouts of this person so that the public can start to avoid those places and the country and the local authorities can start to sort of control the virus from there? Do you think the UK would do that? Or do you think that, you know what, we're probably not going to do that because it's against our liberal values? I think the UK will not disclose detailed movements to the public, but they will disclose to their, you know, subsidiaries of authorities, like council, like uh, health officials in that local area. They, the health officials should know exactly whereabouts did they move. But then publicly, I think the government would just say, okay, in that region of London, someone was walking around. That's it. And no names, no whatever. But do you think that's going to be effective enough, though? No. Is that detailed enough for the public? Then the virus is going to spread. Yeah, yeah. But they're going to violate some serious privacy rules. And and there are rules about privacy in the UK. So, What if I tell you now the UK government can pull the trigger to go back in time and do that or suffer more than 100,000 deaths now? Would they do that? I'm sure they would do that. I don't think so. No. You for no, real. you're going to stop this pandemic, but from, I don't know, 1990s where the privacy rules were signed, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> Between then and now, there's so many scams, identity theft that's going to happen from then to now that's going to... A hundred thousand deaths. It may cause more deaths. You know, people be scammed out of money. <laughs> I'm trying to compare that to 100,000 deaths what are you on about no but you cannot no no but it's, it's probably like you know it doesn't mean that you're going to have to release the information of the entire population of the UK it's just that at that point in time you're going to have to make an exception no but there's going to be an expense if you go back in time and do this just for the coronavirus there's going to be an impact on other parts so there'll be people who argue Oh, there's no privacy laws. Why you? Why aren't you releasing this? We demand this information now yeah. on other on other areas of trade, of economics, and that will cause scams. Probably a chain reaction once again, right? So in the future, you know, whenever data privacy and stuff, those kind of things are raised, then where do you draw the line? When do you actually make an exception? When do you stick to your values? It's crazy. It's uh, it's complicated. Yeah, I think both countries are doing their best now really and whatever you do there's always going to be haters you know whoa (laughs) haters gonna Uh, hate and an interesting point i want to raise is the difference in mask wearing culture between the west and the east Mm -hmm. for instance in the west you know when people see someone wearing a mask they thought of ooh, disease (laughs) disease stay away from that person you know but in the East, it's totally acceptable. Yeah. And you can see that everywhere, for example, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that's acceptable then in the East? I think people, they just have a more history of disease. and trans- <laughs> <laughs> That sounded wrong. <laughs> trans- transmittable disease. And it's a sense of community as well. Yeah. You know, we don't want to spread the virus, whatever virus. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to catch the virus from the air 
So it's a sense of self-protection and protecting the other. Yeah, I agree. And I think it probably ties into the air pollution as well. To be honest, like uh, you know, in developing countries such as Vietnam, you know, we see a lot of people wearing masks when they're just on their motorbikes traveling around. Um, so you know, the act of wearing masks has always been in somewhat ingrained into their everyday lives. Yeah. So they're used to it. So you know, when there's a pandemic like this, there's less resistance for people to do so. Yeah, socially acceptable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whereas in the West, people don't accept that. Exactly. People will look at you as if you are alien. Yeah. And then there's a regulatory angle to it as well, isn't there? Yeah. Because I think there was a point in time when the WHO, the World Health Organization, told everyone, hey, guys, actually, there's no evidence and there's no proof of masks actually combating the virus. And uh, I think the UK obviously were sort of citing recommendations from the WHO when they were telling the public in the UK, yo, guys, you know, you actually don't need to wear masks because there's no evidence whatsoever. And my parents went absolutely ballistic. They were so mad and they were telling me, you got to wear masks. And I was actually like, you know what? If the WHO, they've got all the scientists, you know, they've got all these smart people telling you to do that. I probably side with the WHO. But in retrospect, I think I'm kind of like an idiot (laughs) because these guys obviously didn't know what they were talking about. And now they're backtracking from their recommendation and they're telling us, well, you should be wearing the mask because it actually helps to mitigate the spread of the disease when people cough. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so look, you know, it just goes to show that you've got all these people in power in in their respective positions, but not everyone knows everything, you know? And sometimes you just got to make a sensible decision based on the various different sources and angles of information that's out there. You know, your parents can be right compared to an expert in WHO. Exactly, exactly. So gather your information, you know, from all sources and make an informed decision. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and we're wearing masks now, so we're definitely not wearing masks now. We're indoors. <laughs> now, as in, we're we're wearing masks when we go outside now because mm-hmm. we believe in the importance of masks. Yeah. So moving away from mask, another point that I want to flag is vaccine, because vaccine is the end to this pandemic. Is it? Is it? So. There have been a lot of uh, news about vaccines being produced. And I think there's a piece of news saying 30 million of doses or so of AstraZeneca vaccines is going to be shipped to Vietnam. Although it's not um, totally approved yet, is it? I don't know about that. It's a weird one because I heard that those vaccines aren't really effective for people over 65. <laughs> which is actually not not very helpful, isn't it? Because yeah. people over 65 are the vulnerable groups. Yeah, we want to treat them first. Exactly. And also, it doesn't help that we have a new variant every month or so. There's a new UK variant and a new South Africa variant. Yeah. So I don't know how vaccines going to be varied to treat the variant. That was terrible. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I want to raise is in terms of vaccines, there is actually no evidence at this point in time that we're recording this podcast that the vaccines can actually stop you from spreading to others. So that just means that at the moment we're stuck in the UK and we can't go back to Vietnam whatsoever 
because when we go back to Vietnam, we're still going to have to quarantine for 14 to 21 days before we can actually see our family. Um, it's also very difficult for our family to fly over to the UK as well because, you know, there's no stopping us from spreading it to them. So it's kind of like in this weird situation where if everyone in the UK is vaccinated, then I think we're fine. But if we're ever in contact with people outside the UK who are not vaccinated, then it's kind of like a gray area, you know? Yeah. It's completely new. No one knows what's going to happen, who's going to spread what. When so, do you think we can go back to Vietnam? Realistically speaking, I think at least two to three years. Two to three years. That's right. Because we have our holidays, a period of, you know, 30 days a year, right? And we cannot waste it 14 days in a public facility <laughs> <laughs> quarantining. That's terrible use of holiday. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't want to use that up at all. So I'm going to wait for when there's no quarantining required. Then I'm going to go back. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, let's let's move on to the positive note. All right, which is the Vietnam economy. All right, this is Oh, we're not June. talking about COVID anymore. Done. That's it. No Vietnam economy with the background of COVID. Tell me now, do you read any Vietnam news? No. All right, so this, this is perfect, perfect. But I'm making a podcast about Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. This is perfect because I want to see what you think is happening to Vietnam's economy. Okay. Just simple, you know, good, bad, uh, this year, going forward with COVID. Okay. Yeah, so what, do you, what are your thoughts? Is it going great? What, just, just like that, just generally? What do you yeah. mean? Like, what's going on? What are you on about? Yeah, like, is, is the economy doing well with COVID? Is the economy at the moment doing well with COVID? Um, <clears throat> so if I were to take a step back and look at Vietnam's economy, what are the main pillars, right? Number one, tourism. Oh, that's, that's been hit. Definitely. Uh, number two, agriculture. I think domestically it's fine, but we export a lot overseas. I'm not sure if COVID's impacted any exports or not. Maybe not. There's probably going to be a slump and then it's going to bounce back again um, because I think exports, it doesn't require a lot of contact, right? So I'm assuming agriculture is doing relatively okay. What are the other pillars? Manufacturing. Um, manufacturing, I think probably raw materials from overseas coming into Vietnam, that might be a problem. Export-wise, I think that's fine. It's just that raw materials from overseas, from countries that are probably being hit quite hard, it might be actually struggling with supply chain. So manufacturing might be impacted. So if I were to do like a red, amber, green, I'd say tourism is a red. It's not looking too good. Domestic tourism is fine, but international tourism is horrendous. Agriculture, I think that's a green. Manufacturing, I think that's an amber. Uh, what else? Media and entertainment. I think that's the green. I think, you know, it doesn't really um, Impact. have a lot of dependency on international um, stakeholders. Um, so I think that's fine. I think in media and entertainment, that's a green. So those are the broad four categories. So I think broadly, probably an amber and a green in terms of the economy. Yes. I think you're on the right track there. And according to all the, the new source that I read, Right, because I do read news. I do that. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, Vietnam economy is doing really well. 
All right. You just imagine, you know, you, you in class, right? You are a uh, a good student, right? You're on track to become a better student. Mm-hmm. But but the the number one and number two students are always there. But one day those two students got hit with the flu, and they cannot study anymore, mm-hmm. and they just go they they go out of the class. So there's more room for you now to overtake them, and that's what's happening with Vietnam right now. Because all other countries are being hit with COVID, yep. you know the West, uh, even neighboring Asian countries. You know they're they're dealing with lockdowns, businesses are stopped, mm-hmm. but Vietnam is controlling it so well. People are still walking the streets freely. Mm-hmm. It's actually crazy. Like we're in the UK, we're in a three month lockdown. If you guys don't know, right? So there's a mm-hmm. lockdown from January all the way till March. That's insane. Three months, like that's a quarter of the year just sitting at home. Uh, we can exercise, we can go out, but generally all shops are closed. Yeah. Everything is closed. It's actually crazy when you go on Facebook or Instagram and you look at people in Vietnam. They're just like chilling in cafes and you know meeting people and going <laughs> to work. It's so good. Yeah, it's actually crazy when you go on social media to look at you know people in Vietnam. They're enjoying their lives as though everything is normal, whereas probably most of the world at the moment, it's not. Mm. It's an opportunity. Yeah, for Vietnam to overtake everyone else, it's actually very beneficial. Let me read you some facts okay. <laughs> that I gathered. I think you should change your name to Long Facts. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's Long K Fan. Okay, come on, just read the facts. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the facts is 2020 has been a great year for Vietnam. All right, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that uh, tourism got hit. That's true. You know that's crazy. A lot of people got uh, redundant in uh, in tourists and bars and restaurants, things like that. Where in tourist hotspot, but um, we have increases in other areas. So, for example, in the West, we have um, a lot of increased demand in work from home now. So, a lot of from home shopping with DIY um, things like wood furniture. Vietnam is a big exporter of that, and facts shown that there's been an increase of like 47% or something in 2020 for yeah, okay. wood and furniture exports. Hmm. Um, so that's that's great, right? Because of these demands from the West. And the West countries and companies in particular will face problems with supply chains because our neighboring countries like uh, China will be experiencing lockdown and things like that uh all the companies right supply chain is mostly in in china mm-hmm. and due to rising tension with the us rising costs china is getting more developed now and it feels a little bit weird saying this but vietnam could be the next china right because i think there's there's no so we're gonna be like you know manufacturing viruses and exporting <laughs> it over the world. no no <laughs> uh, excluding the COVID part I can admit that China is well developed country now. You know, you have cities like Shanghai, Shenzhen. I think they call it special economic zones. Yeah, they're so de- so modern. Yeah, even even more modern than the UK. Yeah. So to say that Vietnam will become like China, I think it's it's a compliment. It's the right track. And with China labor costs increasing, people are looking at, I think this trend everyone is calling China plus one. Mm-hmm. So 
Vietnam is the next company is going to invest in, and that's going to have knowledge spillover, right? Technology spillover. Mm-hmm. We're going to upskill all our labor workforce, and that's going to be um, crazy. Bloody hell, you've done your research. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And let, let me give you some more facts. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just one, just one. Oh, right. actually two. All right, go ahead. One of Apple uh, suppliers is going to move a major part of its supplier chain to Vietnam from China. What's the name? Uh, Foxconn. Oh, Foxconn, yeah. Foxconn is yeah, very yeah. well known. Yeah. I don't know it. I've <laughs> <laughs> done enough research then. Foxconn, I think Foxconn was very famous, well, infamous actually, for a lot of suicide Whoa. Yeah, cases. Whereas people were just like being grinded to the ground, working in these sort of sweatshops. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, you can search like Foxconn suicides. Yeah, it's nuts. And that's why Apple, I think at, at some point in time over the past couple of years, they had some bad reputation because they were using this sort of supplier. Anyway, sorry, you were saying? I was saying it's a good thing that Foxconn is moving to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I'm saying it's good because they're going to invest hundreds of millions of USD into Vietnam. Yeah. It's good for the economy, but... I think we need to monitor how they they treat their workers then, given that scandal. Yeah. Anyway, to a fun part, Vietnam is having another new airline. No, really? Do you know? I know a new one, which is Bamboo Airlines. Can you name all the Vietnamese airlines? Bamboo Airlines, Vietnam Airlines, uh, EasyJet. No. Wait, EasyJet? No, no, no. <laughs> Vietjet, Vietjet, and I think the other one is... There's a budget airline. There's another one. Is it Jetstar or something? I don't know. That's right. Jetstar Pacific. All right. Oh, well done. And then the next one we have is Viet Travel Airlines. Viet Travel. Isn't Viet Travel a tourism company? It is, but it's just open. An airline. Really? They're branching out into the airlines industry. That's so weird. Okay. But isn't it a bad time to do that? <laughs> but they still go ahead with it. I think which means that there is demand domestically well depends on how the country copes with this new spike in cases right but that's super dangerous why are they doing that at this point in time i know they're okay so wow what's the intention behind this their tourism arm is probably being hit really hard when it comes to international tourists the domestic tourism arm is probably doing fine for now um especially when it comes to debt and all that stuff there may be people traveling around but less, you know, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people refunding flight tickets, train tickets. I mean, if I were an investor, I'd be quite scared, to be honest. Like, why are they, yeah, why are they going to the airlines industry when tourism in general is being hit so hard? Okay. Yeah. So, sorry, what was the intention behind raising the fact? It means it's an exciting year for Vietnam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have a new airline. Whoa. Whoa which is probably not going to do too well <laughs> this time. Okay. No, probably they do their research and maybe there's, there's a way to make money. Yeah. So. All right. It's good. We'll see. Cool. Yeah. So it's been a great year. In absolute terms, GDP wise, I think we are very well in the C, you know, the C, C in C games, Southeast Asia. Yes, I know that. <laughs> we we are the fourth now, even above Singapore and Malaysia. Isn't that crazy? Really? What's the GDP growth? I don't know. 
I think it would probably help if you actually have the GDP growth for Vietnam and comparing it to Singapore's GDP growth. So it's a it's a moment to be proud of. But can you guess who who's the top in terms it, of absolute China? No, Southeast Asia. Oh, Southeast Asia, absolute. Yeah. It's probably Thailand or Indonesia. Indonesia probably uh, Indonesia. Uh, Thailand or Indonesia, one of the two. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Thailand is number two, Indonesia is number one. Yeah. So. Indonesia is like a population of, I don't know, is it nearly 200 million or something? I see. Yeah, I was surprised at first. I thought, Indonesia, what do they do in Indonesia? Bloody hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're one of the most populous countries in the world, actually, Indonesia. They're yeah. Huge. I didn't know that. And Thailand, obviously, right? We know Thailand quite well. So, yeah, in terms of economic, I think things are looking really good for Vietnam as companies looking for supply chains. And I mean, just a broader point, for those who don't know, I have a background in politics and international relations, so I do read up a lot uh, back then. I don't, I don't follow it as closely now. But, you know, over the past century or so, power has always predominantly resided in the West, right? You know, you've got Europe and then following the World War, You've got the Cold War and then then slowly a transition of power concentration towards the US. And that's mainly been the case for the past couple of decades. But now we're slowly seeing the emergence of China. And I think this whole coronavirus situation, it's accelerated that trend, a transition in power, a movement in power, a slowly changing balance of power from the West to the East. And obviously spearheaded by China, right? Because of how mm. the US and Europe as a whole are treating and responding to coronavirus, but also how Asia as a whole are responding to the virus relatively well. Um, I think so. So to me, the broader trend here is that the virus has really accelerated that change in economic development. Yeah. Um, and I think this is going to be an inflection point, 2020, an inflection point of you know, China being even stronger economically in the world stage. That's my view. I agree with that, actually, where the West is getting slowed down with all these lockdowns and pause. China will rise ahead. And bloody hell, with, with the whole, what's it called? Black Lives Matter and internal, you know, social conflicts and stuff that's happening in the US. That's not to say that countries like China doesn't have problems of their own, right? Have you heard about the whole Yuga situation, the Yuga community in the north? Yeah, yeah. Northwest, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely I've heard about it. But I think the political system is strong enough to control all the media domestically. So there won't be any protest. Maybe. Maybe we can have a topic on China. Who knows? But this podcast is about Vietnam. I know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll find a way to link it back to Vietnam. On one of those islands. <laughs> so that's... That's where Vietnam and China meets. Stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What are we talking about now? Okay, so the second topic, it's going to be more entertaining now because it's entertainment related. Oh, no. <laughs> are we talking about green tea? Please, no. Yes, we are talking about green tea. Oh, my God. The thing is, when this episode goes live, no one's going to care about green tea. Green tea is, is what's on the surface, but I think I want to touch down what's underneath the surface, which is the online community. And I think it relates to the Patient17 
anger okay social media response to so you guys don't know then um long is more or less in charge of the topics i have no idea what's going on but um he decides what we talk about and what we don't talk about so he's like the the, the government <laughs> <laughs> i control the media <laughs> yeah all right as a background this is concerning Tung mtp all right uh one of the very famous singer in vietnam essentially he had a girlfriend although they never said officially they're together um for eight years but the whole world knew <laughs> seven or eight years they never said anything they just people assumed that they're together and then suddenly this year or last year there's a new um, actress who joined his company to become a model slash actress and start in his new mv and there are rumors that this new actress became the new girlfriend and he ended the relationship with his old girlfriend. So none of this is officially admitted by the three people involved. All right. These are all speculations. All right. Okay. And so people are now hating on the new actress and they call, uh, they call her green tea. Green tea is equivalent of the third person, right? The third, third wheel, third person in a relationship, uh, <laughs> relationship, <laughs> relationship uh, mm. dot full stop <laughs> <laughs> and so before we dig deep into this um, problem let's define this term green tea what is green tea you know why do people use green tea to stay awake <laughs> it actually comes from Chinese word you know Lu cha biao. And it means green tea prostitute. <laughs> okay. It's actually a slang. Actually, in 2010, 2013, something like that. Okay. In, in, in a novel. Uh, anyway, it's a slang to, to say someone is on the outside very pure and very innocent but deep down inside they want to cause damage mm-hmm. to a relationship mm-hmm. like you know like i know you and and mango are in a relationship if i am a green tea i will talk to you all the time <laughs> and and i will be like i'm very innocent and then i'll be like you should help me you should come over to my house and help me with with things you know <laughs> and to get you away from mango. So that's a, a broad definition of green tea. What do you think about that? What do I think about the definition? <laughs> yeah. It is a very it's a very <laughs> good definition. <laughs> do, do you believe that there are such types of people who exist? Um uh, are we talking about purely romantic relationships or what? It's just general relationships like business relationships as well. Business relationship, definitely there'll be green teas. Yeah, exactly. There'll be tons of green teas out there, man. <laughs> but personal relationship, I think that's when it's looked down upon, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if there is such a person, I think... But once again, I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure about the definition, but if that's the pure, pure definition of green tea, then that person yeah. definitely has a very dark motive behind it, right? Um, yeah. It's a very good definition. And I think it's important <laughs> to stress that it applies to both men and women. You know, you should not restrict this green tea to women. 
Because I could be green tea. Yeah. Because I've got that outside innocent look. And no, beautiful. you don't. <laughs> I can be a green tea. You know, it's yeah. very hard for you to be a green tea. You can, but <laughs> I can be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so there's a there's been a lot of hate on on green tea, and I think Sun Tung did receive some impact on his um, social media as well. I think there's a lot of reduction in likes, uh, dislikes in the MV, reduction in followers on YouTube, subscribers. Uh, and also reduction in followers in Instagram. But I'd say very minimal. Extensive. <laughs> <laughs> But I'd say the the majority of the hate is on Green Tea, is on the new actress. And I want to demythify. <laughs> <laughs> I want to demystify this now, right? Because how, how do you feel, all right? How do you feel? So that's the background. Uh, three people in a love story, right? You know, typical. But the third person is always the one who gets the blame. That's the background. I, I, whoever it is. Now, the story is not about Sun Tung anymore. Story about anyone. The third person, often who is a girl, always gets the blame in Vietnam. How do you feel about that? Well, the first question that I want to ask is, where do you get the the third person always gets the blame from? It's the public sentiment in Vietnam. Based on your extensive research. <laughs> Based on my years of living in Vietnam through my childhood, which you don't. My view is we are in absolutely no position to make a conclusion on this because there are a ton of things that you need to consider. And sometimes when you look at relationships and you're just blaming Now, I think that's probably the wrong way to look at the relationship. Bloody hell, that should be a quote. I agree with your statement, but not the quote statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, but look, there's so many things, right? If you were, let's say we are blaming, okay? Yeah. There are like a thousand and a million different scenarios that could happen that A could be blamed, B could be blamed, or C were to blame, right? We just don't know. And I don't. I have no idea why all these people are wasting their time getting into this sort of conversation and making a judgment and making a conclusion on who's the wrong person and who's the right person in the relationship because we just don't know. Exactly. And <laughs> that's my view. And it's more so that it's not even a, a marriage, right? I think it's just a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. Yeah. So Why are they blaming the third person? Why are they blaming "quote unquote" green tea? Exactly, I don't understand too. So, so is that the end of this topic? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think the mentality of people is it's always the third person's fault of trying to attract and steal, right? So that is the mentality. Whereas the third person can never steal if one of the person in you know. All right, can we can we say can we say cappuccino is the guy? Then you've got black tea as the the second girl and then you've got green tea as the third girl. Is that easier? Okay, yeah. So cappuccino is with black tea, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And suddenly green tea comes in and say, "Hey cappuccino, you should be with me because I'm green." Yeah. <laughs> and then cappuccino said, "Okay, yeah, yeah." And then <laughs> over. And then everyone blames green tea. But 
cappuccino is also at fault. So yeah. green tea is never successful without cappuccino's consent. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay, look, I'm painting three scenarios here, okay? In a sample of a thousand million different scenarios that can happen. But a simple scenario that green tea is to blame is cappuccino and black tea are completely happy together and green tea suddenly comes in. Ooh, hey, I'm all no. green <laughs> and I smell good and I have a good Japanese green tea flavor to me, right? And then cappuccino is like, oh, hell yeah, right? But then again, there's something wrong with cappuccino there. That's the first scenario. Second scenario would be Black tea used to taste really nice, all right? And black tea used to... <laughs> I think this is... Uh, no, let's not talk about taste. <laughs> black tea used to be really uh, nice to uh, cappuccino. Yeah. But then, I don't know, over the course of the years, black tea is turned into water, right? Just, <laughs> just still water, just bland and boring, right? And it's because of black tea, and black tea's changed their personality, right? Yeah. So that's pushing cappuccino away. Cappuccino's like, I don't want water. I want black tea. Where's my black tea? You know, what have you done to my black tea? And then there's this green tea coming along and say, Ooh, I I taste like tea. You like tea. You don't like water. <laughs> so so cappuccino. Yeah, right. You know, I signed up for tea. I didn't sign up for water. So I'm going with green tea. I'm confusing myself here. So that's the second scenario. Wait, wait, I'm on a roll, oh. man. <laughs> and you got the third scenario. So black tea is still black tea. Black tea still tastes amazing. But cappuccino is like, whoa, I've had black tea for so long now. Bloody hell. I want some new tea, you know? I want some matcha green tea, Japanese flavor. And then matcha green tea comes in and say, Ooh, I am green tea. And then cappuccino is like, hell yeah, I want some of that because I don't like black tea anymore because my taste has changed. So now cappuccino is the wrong person. You get where I'm coming from? It, it depends on so many things. And it's yeah. not like just one person's fault. There's probably a ton of different factors, factors, interactions, actions, words that were being spoken to. It's crazy. It's so complicated that we as the public can't just stay here and say, oh, no, I support this person. I support that person. That is too naive. And I'm probably assuming that most of the people involved in this situation, uh, involved in the conversation, are just little kids. I know. And what's more dangerous is... We are little kids as well. <laughs> <laughs> We're now participating on this conversation. Join the community, be part of the conversation. <laughs> no, but wait, 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 wait. So all your scenarios you mentioned were three people at fault, right? It could be yeah. A, B, or C at fault. And in reality, it could be a mixture of A and B and C. I think my scenario three was actually a mixture because green tea was like, ooh, I'm green tea. But green tea can just say, oh, I'm green tea. I'm doing my own thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, and even a fourth scenario where black tea is not together with cappuccino at all. And cappuccino is not together with green tea at all. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Or, or what if black tea just didn't change? Black tea actually went with latte. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? You don't so, know. Right? You don't know. Th what's dangerous is people who don't know hop on this trend of hate commenting and it's having a i would say a very negative impact on 
on the third person here on the green tea whether they are wrong or not right? uh lots of hate comments a lot of dislikes um and even I've, i've read an article where they even contacted one of the branded where where she appeared on on an advert Bloody and yeah. demanded that you should take down that advert that's or else crazy. i will i will not buy your products i will you know that's having an impact on business now now it's not just showbiz i think i kind of sort of want to move on to the next one and a logical next topic which is to what extent do you think that all right when you become a singer and when you become famous probably the number one if not the top five singers in vietnam at the moment your life can just be judged by anyone anywhere in the country and anyone who you're in contact with can just be judged yeah did they sign up for it when they wanted to be famous i think personally they do they understand the risk yeah and the, the impact and they still go ahead with it because it this it's not just happening now it has happened so many times in the past and if they had a dream of becoming famous they definitely took that into consideration oh, yeah. i need to mentally prepare myself because we're definitely getting famous long with this convo comrades like we gotta we gotta mentally prepare ourselves only our voices is famous if we don't speak then no one will know us we find a way to wrap up this episode in a strong <laughs> strong manner please all right so in conclusion <laughs> to that uh, green tea thing right i'd like to say my opinion oh that- i'm sorry i haven't even asked for your opinion you were like <laughs> you were asking for my opinion and then i was like yeah yeah okay can we wrap up the episode you're like this asshole has not even asked for my opinion and you've been you've been doing your extensive research over the past couple of weeks all right sorry no, minimal very minimal research Min- okay based on your minimal research over the past couple of weeks what is your opinion on this i'd have to say i agree with your views all right we that's, just- that's it <laughs> <laughs> don't have enough data we're not in the relationship you know we don't know what's really happened so just hopping on the trend hate commenting has a very negative impact on a, a person's mental well-being right and there's been a lot of cases of that in, in i think especially in korean k-pop where people just commit suicide artists um most frequently because of hate comments because of pressure from their companies etc so i'd say it's definitely wrong to to hate commenting you know because we don't have the data and we're not in relationship so yeah that's what i wanted to say so for those who don't know um over the past month or so when we were preparing this podcast and we're coming up with a list of the various different topics that we want to cover Green tea is the topic that he wants to discuss the most. I was probably imagining like I don't know half an hour of heated debate on something really really cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I felt really strongly about this, you know. Why do you feel strongly about it? Because one person gets all the blame whereas it it's not one person's fault. And I felt really unfair. Why don't you actually go on her social media and support her? <laughs> you got you got all of these comments and say you're a bad person, you're terrible, go and do this, go and do that and then yeah, I really value you. <laughs> and I no, no. appreciate your existence. <laughs> I 
if I do that, then it means I'm a fan of her. But I'm not a fan of her. I'm just a, a bystander, right? And I looked at and I felt you you felt a sense of injustice. <laughs> that's you right. You felt like you right. wanted to be Batman, right? And put on your <laughs> headphones and go on the podcast and talk about it. But wait, <laughs> it's actually uh, it worked out for all three of them very well, actually, in terms of oh, market. it's already done. What? It's finished. The whole situation, it's done. No, it's not done. Oh, okay. But but marketing wise, I mean, oh, it's wow. very well for them. Everyone knows them now. Okay. So it could be a marketing scheme. Do you think it's a marketing scheme? Well, you can't rule out any of these in today's world, right? Yeah. Because I've I've heard that you know certain A-listed artists in Vietnam they have articles prepared in the months, mm. right? So for next month they would have an article published on certain papers. About this particular story and particular drama, and then next month they're going to engineer and they're going to try to manufacture another story, right, to stay relevant. It's actually insane. If you think about it, they actually work really hard yeah. to make themselves relevant, day in, day out, week in, week out, year after year. They work hard to make sure that they are still known in the public. Yeah, it's tough. It's tiring. It's tiring, man. Tough business, showbiz. Yeah. So there's a possibility that these, all these, could be a staged, could be a scheme to get all three famous. Yeah, could be. Because it certainly has. Yeah, conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. So what do you guys think? Let me know. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> Whoa! I like that wrap up. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, the end of the topic two. Yeah. Once again, be part of the conversation, guys. Let us know what your thoughts are on what are the three topics we covered. Number one is COVID. Number two is economy, and number three is green tea. All right, and whether you agree with cappuccino, whether you agree with black tea, or whether you like ooh, I'm green tea. All right, let us know. Also, comment down below on which topics and what areas, and even who do you want to see on the podcast. And we'll try to make sure that um, yeah, we're able to accommodate your requests. Um, any feedback, also let us know. And I don't know about you, but I'm super open to reading feedback and then even seeing different perspectives and hearing different perspectives from our audience. Definitely. So if you want to voice your perspective on certain things or you want to counter-argue against what we've just spoken about, let us know as well. Mm -hmm. We're happy to read you out. Uh, join our community on Facebook and Instagram at Convo Comrades. And uh, yeah, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. As for now, bye bye.